Hey, welcome to the Vine Church Podcast. We know you're going to be blessed as you listen to this amazing word today. Sit back and enjoy. Co-speaker, it's good to welcome Craig to our stage. Please put your hands together because we like to bless him also with wonderful, wonderful Celtic water just for this, this man to, this purest of water to bless his lips. <laughs> you may, you may realise this man is maybe not a Celtic supporter. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Your kind pastors offered me a bottle of water in the speaker's room somewhere. And it said Celtic Springs on it, but I'm from Glasgow. We pronounce the C differently through there with an S. So I wouldn't drink it. So they... F- they found, they found an alternative bottle. Um, we're all a work in progress, right? None of us are the finished article yet. We all want to be Jesus. But I was told this morning that Jesus supports the pars anyway. So, actually I could live with that. Well, we decided this morning, one third way through the worship, that we really liked you. And I guess what we need to decide now by the end of the service, if you really like us. I was just explaining to Jimmy that we get invited lots of places once. (laughs) So we've got a faith goal this year that we might go somewhere twice. You can have it, son. Do you want it? Here you go. He's fine. Thank you so much for the invite to come through. It is a real privilege and an honour to be invited outside our own network. Thank you so much for having us. We were asked to share a little bit about our testimony before we turn to the Word. The Word I have for you, I believe, is a Word from God. I say that with absolute respect to the presence of the Holy Spirit here. I say that in His presence. And I do believe the Word that I have for you as a church this morning is kind of like a question. I think God wants to ask you a question as a church today. We've been on staff now at Destiny Church in Glasgow for nine years. A couple of years of Destiny Networks, Bible College prior to that. And the journey has been an interesting one. It's also been a very fast one. Some of you are old enough to remember Jason Donovan, right? I used to have hair like him. I don't know what it is about the pastoral ministry. (laughs) All of my brothers have still got, no, actually, that's not true. I was going to say all of my brothers have still got their hair. They don't have their hair. Um, But for different reasons, they've pulled theirs out. I've lost mine. But I came to Christ in the early 90s. Never raised in a Christian home. Family never went to church. Family was very typical of the area I lived in, just outside Glasgow in the north of the city. Uh, A a small town that probably, like many of the towns around here, had relied on the coal industry. And then, of course, when that went pear-shaped in the 80s, the economy went pear-shaped, everything went pear-shaped. I actually had some family have to move through to Fife to find work because they were working in the coal industry at that time, mainly as miners. And I remember coming up to Big Park, somewhere in Fife, I'm not sure where, as part of the minor strikes, as a young teenager coming through and bringing buckets and 
lorries full of food for those that were striking and those that were finding it hard to make ends meet during those times. So my uncle and my auntie moved to Glenrothes, and of course it wasn't there very long before it all went wrong. And they moved back through. These days, I still come through to Glenrothes fairly often because one of the charities I work with now has a centre through there for vulnerable young homeless women. So we know a wee bit about Fife. Um, but when I came to Christ, it was really through some people that I knew meeting some Christians. That's how it works, you know. One tells another, and they tell someone else, and they tell someone else. The person that witnessed to you in order to lead you to Christ never intended for their witness to stop with you. It was always your destiny, and it was always part of your purpose, and it was always God's intention for you to pass it on to someone else who will pass it on to someone else. If you've ever felt stuck as a Christian, let me give you a key. Share your faith with an unbeliever. The Holy Spirit might or might not turn up to all the things you're hoping he does, but wherever you're sharing your faith, he'll butt in. He will stick his nose in, and he will make a terrible witness a powerful opportunity. So I came to Christ in the early 90s. My first time I said the sinner's prayer, Anybody else like that? You know, I, I thought it was like a life insurance thing. You repeated it every Sunday until you were sure. So I prayed that prayer for a number of years. But the first time I was about 19, but it wasn't until I was about 24 that actually the gospel started touching the chaos in my life in a manner that sorted it out. I got saved into a church that two weeks after I joined it split. They fell out. And those that I joined the church with had to pick sides. I never knew that was unusual because in Glasgow you grow up picking sides your whole life. You either kick with your left foot or your right foot. You're either from the dark side or the light side. You either go to the big house or Castle Grayskull. So that's what life was like. But, so I never knew that in church this was spiritually damaging. I just grew up with people falling out with each other. But by the time... I was five years a Christian. I, had, I was living in a homeless unit. I'd had a marriage in my teens that had failed. I was absolutely addicted to drinking and enjoyed experimenting with other things as well. And the promises of the preacher hadn't borne fruit in my life. You see, they kind of promised me if I came to Jesus, the theme tune in my head would change from attack, attack, attack to Little House in the Prairie, the Waltons, tiptoe through the tulips. It never happened. When I came to the altar, they said, come to Jesus, he'll transform your life. It never really happened. You see, there was something missing. Big brothers and sisters. Because the church had split, I was left with a pastor, his wife, and an old lady who couldn't hear a word he was saying. She was absolutely deaf. So her name was Mrs. Hood. She was a lovely old lady, but the pastor had to preach to me and his wife because the old lady that sat on the other side of the church couldn't hear a word he was saying. And my life just went from crisis to crisis. And God blessed that pastor because he put me up, he fed me, he washed me, he gave me clean clothes. He did everything possible he could, but I never gave him a window between crises wide enough to actually disciple me. 
I just begged for money from him and I just begged for accommodation and I just pestered and annoyed him and I took his pastoral ministry and his input and turned it into crisis intervention. Well, eventually, he said to me, I want to retire and you're the only person in my church. If you go, I can retire. So I said, well, where will I go? He said, I suggest you move into Glasgow and find a big church with lots of leaders with more capacity to put up with you, I mean, input into you. So that's exactly what I did. In 1996, I left where I was living and I moved into a homeless accommodation in the east end of Glasgow that was run by Christians. And I asked one of the homeless guys, where would you go to church on Sunday morning? And he told me he went to what is now Destiny Church. So I went along with him and I never drank again. I never smoked again. I never did any of the things that I was doing ever again. I just kept going back. And then God gave me a house. And then God gave me a job. And then he gave me a wife. And then he gave the kids from that failed marriage a stepmother. And I realized what's happening was, you heard the old saying, it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a church to raise a Christian. It's not the pastor's job, it wasn't even the elder's job, it wasn't even the leader's job. This whole church, it was about a hundred people maybe at the time, but they all took an interest in different ways in each other's lives. And by default, instead of making altar call promises that I could never keep, the life of God in them just touched the life in me and I began to change. You see, fellowship has got more power in it than we often realize. We think turning up at things is a choice. It's vital that you're not just uh, attending the church, but you're participating in the life of the church if you want to grow. So that was kind of my story. A very slow learner, a very reluctant leader. Once we were married, every other week they were asking us, would you lead this? No. Would you lead this? No. Well, we were, we're through in Glasgow, so we weren't saying no, we were saying no. And then they started to con us and started to trick us. Church leaders can be really, really deceitful, can't they? They would say things like, the house group leader wants to go away for a fortnight. Would you just look after it for a fortnight? We've had it ever since. <laughs> then they would say things like, uh, the guy that runs the prayer partners in the church and the guy that makes the team respond for the appeal and looks after the new commitments, he just needs a breather. He's burnt out. Would you look after his team for a month? And we've had it ever since. And so we came into leadership because we saw a need rather than we were willing to volunteer for a position or a post. There's another key for somebody in there, isn't there? You don't have to try and find a position or a title. Just see a need and meet it. So that's been our journey. These days we're based mostly in the south side. Glasgow has eight services on a Sunday, spread around the city now. Maybe once a month or so we move to another one or another church in the network. And we just live there, we just breathe there, we just spend our lives there, trusting God that if he can sort out all of that, Whatever's coming next, he can take care of that as well. 
So that's where we've came from and that's where we're going. And now we find ourselves in this interesting position that people start inviting us to preach. And like most new preachers on the block, we try and think, what's our best message, right? What's the one that will really impress them? What's the one that they'll remember at least a wee bit of? And you try and work in your mind this scenario of if I go to Dunfermline and I preach that message, oh, they might be impressed with me. Come on, look at me. I'm dressed in head to toe from George Mann at Asda. <laughs> There's not a lot to be impressed by, is there? So anything good that I say today must come from God. So I started thinking about previous messages. What one could I go there and really try and make an impression with? And I thought maybe I can talk about the message that I preached a while back that nothing can stop what God has prepared for you except you. I mean, think about it. All through the Bible, we have evidence to prove that nothing can stop what God wants to do through you except you. Moses and the Israelites reach the edge of the Red Sea or the Dead Sea or whichever sea it was, but it didn't stop them. Joshua encounters the high walls of the city of Jericho, but the walls don't stop him. Paul encounters persecutions and beatings, but they don't stop him. Jesus comes to the place where his heart stops beating and he dies, but death doesn't stop him. But I don't think that's the message I should share today. And then I thought, oh, I know I've got a great message called All Things Are Possible. Do you believe that? The Bible says it, doesn't it? So it's true. All things are possible. And if I was preaching that message today, I would say this. The moment God gave you permission to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, the moment he gave you the ability to say yes to his invitation for salvation, locked up in that decision, that ability to say yes, was the power to say yes to every other invitation God gives you going forward as a follower of Jesus. The moment you became a Christian, you were empowered to achieve things for God. But I don't think that's the message he wants me to share today either. And then I thought, oh, I've got a great message with a great title. The title's fantastic. It's called The Undefeated One. Maybe I was provoked by another team in Glasgow calling themselves the Invincibles. I'm not sure. But I thought Jesus is the undefeated one. I could perhaps go to Dunfermline and share how every mark, every scar, every scourging, everything laid upon Jesus Christ was really just an assurance of your victory. Those marks, those beatings, that defeat, that tomb, nothing defeated him. Jesus Christ has never lost a battle, he's never lost a fight, and he's never lost a war. I thought that would be a good message, but that's not the message. I'm going to share today. The message I want to share to you today is in light of the fact that you and Dunfermline already know all things are possible. In light of the fact you and Dunfermline already know Jesus Christ is the undefeated one. In light of the fact you already know that nothing can stop what God has prepared for you. This is what I believe God wants me to talk about today. Your response to those truths. You see, it's wonderful when we have testimonies. It's wonderful when we have stories of breakthrough. It's wonderful when we can share 
what God has done for us. But prior to the testimony, there's what? A test. Prior to the trial, prior to the triumph, there's what? A trial. And I don't think we speak enough about the trial and the test. We only talk about the triumph and the testimony. But for every one of you right now, there's a spotlight from heaven on your life and God is shining it in your eyes and he's speaking to you and he's saying, will you answer this question? Will you respond to my calling on you corporately and individually with courage? And so the word I have, I believe, from the Holy Spirit is, will you as a church respond courageously to the reason God birthed you in this city. There's 70,000 people in this city. This is a healthy sized church for a city of that size, but it's nothing compared to what God wants for you. And so you have to decide, and I have to decide, will we respond with courage? If we were looking for a text today, we'd go to Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter 1, four times God speaks and says, be strong and courageous. You know the chapter, right? I'm assuming this is one of the elders just making sure everything's doctrinally accurate and as it should be. Three times God speaks to Joshua and then the fourth time, the people speak to Joshua and their response is, we will do everything you've said the Lord is asking us to do if you'll be strong and courageous. I don't have time to read the whole passage out to you, but you know the story starts with good news. Moses, my servant, is dead. You see, there does come a point where every move of God and every man of God has to make way for the next move of God and the next man of God. It takes a bit of discernment. God takes Moses out of the picture and speaks to Joshua and says, don't build a memorial. Don't say, well, our best days are behind us. Don't write a book chronicling the history of the movement under Moses. Don't build a museum with all the artifacts of Moses' ministry. Moses is dead. Now, as for you, in a few days, I'm going to ask you to lead the people into the promised land. I don't believe Joshua saw an online advert and thought, I feel called to that. I don't believe three days before his encounter with God, there was a seminar somewhere in Glasgow that he'd signed up for and attended that. I believe he'd just spent his life in the community of God following the leaders God had placed there. And God had decided long before Moses is long gone, this people are going into the promised land, but Moses won't be the one to lead them there. It will be Joshua. Some of you, some of us, will have to decide, will we be courageous? You see, fulfilling God's will for your life will take courage. Maybe you've got a prophecy over your life that's never came to fulfillment yet. Maybe there's a word in your heart that's never been realized yet. Maybe there's a dream in your spirit and you can't see how you get from here to there. The road is called courage. You have to step out 
and trust God to make a way when there seems to be no way. Have you noticed, maybe the leaders in the church have noticed this, we've noticed this in Glasgow, sometimes it looks like the devil believes the will of God for your life more than you believe it. He sets up all sorts of roadblocks and hindrances and distractions to keep you doing everything and anything except the very thing God called you to. But actually, sobering thought for a moment, you will never be the husband you're supposed to be. You will never be the wife you're called to be. You'll never be the parents you want to be. You'll never be the businessman you aspire to be unless the very thing that God has called you to do gets the response of courage. We can say, well, I can't sign up for this. I can't get involved with that. I've got the business to build. I've got the kids to look after. I've got my husband to support. I've got my wife to think about. And all the while your heart is beating for the very thing that will ensure that your marriage makes it in the way that God wants to make it. The ingredient for a good marriage, the ingredient for a good family, the ingredient for a healthy business or prospering in life in general is not find keys from secular books and seminars and YouTube clips telling you how to do it. The secret is find out what it is God wants you to do and as you trust him to help you do that, he looks after everything he's given you for you. He will steward your marriage if you will steward your calling. He will raise your kids if you will look after the one thing he put you on the planet for. Isn't it interesting that first of all God gives Adam his purpose, then he gives him his partner. You ever noticed that? We're looking for the church that will help us birth our dream. We're looking for the partner that will help us achieve our dream. Have you ever shared the dream with anybody? It will take courage to do that, won't it? It takes courage to realize that every word God has spoken to you needs handled very carefully and treated very respectfully. Your knees will be knocking, your palms will be sweating, your forehead perspiring, your lips will be biting, but you know that you know that you know God has spoken to me about this. You see, I was living in a homeless unit this was before the care inspectorate. So I was, when I say living in a homeless unit, what I mean is locked in a room with three chest freezers coming off alcohol, um, hallucinating and shaking and fitting and vomiting. And in the middle of it all, I suddenly started to think, maybe one day I'll be a pastor. I'm lying on the floor of a room. My bed is a bit of linoleum. My companions are three chest freezers. The door's been locked so I can't escape. I'm supposed to be thinking, will I make it through the night? I'm dreaming about raising a church. You would be understood for thinking that might be part of the hallucination, right? So of course I come out of the room and I realized that the way you get there is just take the next step here. 
And I discovered that it's actually the devil's technique to try and get us dreaming so far ahead that we can't see the good we can do in the moment we're actually in. These days in Destiny Glasgow, when people say to me, I feel called to preach, I say, fantastic, I'll start your training right away. Get that hoover. I said, no, I don't think you heard me, Pastor Craig. I was just saying I feel called to preach and teach. I said, I heard you perfectly. The disabled toilet's bogging. I'll show you where the cloths and the cleaning stuff is. They said, no, I don't think you actually, did you get my email with the message that I felt God gave me for this Sunday? I said, I got it, uh, but I haven't printed it off yet because you haven't hoovered the carpet yet. You see, the way to greatness is through small things. Not that we think we've ascended to greatness, far from it. But the way to achieving your dream is not logical, is it? Why would you take a 40-year route for an 11-day journey? It's not logical. Why would you say to restore the sins, to restore people into right standing with their father, will kill his only son? It's not logical. Why would you choose fishermen when you've got trained religious experts? It's not logical. And so very often we're looking for the next logical step, but God is saying the next step is service. Here's the question I believe God wanted me to ask you today. Will you serve your city? Will you individually and corporately give yourself to God's agenda for the 70,000 people that live around you? And however big your church gets, they'll never know you're even here unless you go to them. You see, there will come a people, and I believe it's a moment for Scotland to experience an impact of the gospel like it's never experienced in centuries. And God is sniffing around and he's looking for a people that will say, we'll do what it takes. But for some of us, we've been around the block a few times, so we're cynical. For others, we've been around too long, we're carrying hearts and burdens. The moment requires us to lay down our luggage, lay down our baggage, travel with no baggage and go again with just our overnight bag. Not our history, not our long list of mistakes, not our recollection of bad experiences. We're just saying it's a new day for Dunfermline. It's a new day for Vine Church. It's a new day for Scotland. It's a new day on the earth. I'm finding lots of Christians want to come and talk to me at the moment, but they want to talk to me about transgender issues. Not them personally, in the news. They want to talk to me about ISIS issues. Not them personally, but the stuff that's on the news. There's stuff that is happening nowhere near their lives that's keeping them awake at night. The only thing that's going to change this world is the only thing that ever could. It doesn't matter if our kids are genderless. It doesn't matter if there are terrorists on our doorstep or on someone else's doorstep. The gospel of Jesus Christ, shared in its most simplest form, always transforms a heart. Always. And so we're looking for new seminars and we're looking for new conferences and we're looking for new training programs to help us reach this person, this person, this person. God only sees two kinds of people, those that know him, those that don't. 
And whatever your deadness or your lostness manifests itself in, finding a false cause like ISIS, finding a confusion like the gender issue, it's really just a distraction to keep you from thinking there's a God who created me and I can only ever become what he wants me to become. Everything else is just a distraction that promises much but delivers nothing. When I get a job, I'm going to seriously think about giving six months to the church. When I get a job, I'm seriously going to think about financing the church at a new level. When the business is built, I really believe we can use it to send missionaries. Listen, go where you are. If Andrew Owen from Destiny was here, he would say it like this. God has called us to go to the ends of the earth, but the ends of the earth start at your end. I'm always dreaming about going to Hawaii, hot places, you know, or the Caribbean on a missions trip. And then I'm walking past all my neighbors who are my mission field. I'm walking past all my people in my parish, if you want to phrase it that way, looking for those in some glamorous mission field. Guess what happens when you move to the glamorous mission field? The people there are just as messed up as the people here. We think somehow if we go leafleting in Haiti, we'll build a church of 10,000. But people have been there and done that. What are you called to do? And will your response be courage? Now, I need to stop and pause at this point because I have no idea what time I started. So there, I have no idea what time. Am I finished? I've got 15 minutes. About five. Let's talk and take a survey. Just put your hand up if you've understood anything I've said so far. Okay, about a third of you. Well, that's more than Glasgow, so that's progress. <laughs> Let me tell you a few things very quickly then. It's going to take courage for you to live the life God intends you to live. If your life is too easy, question your calling. If your life is too comfortable, are you supposed to have moved on by now? You see, I know where you got to took a bit of faith to get there. I know it took a bit of growing and maturing to get there. But now that you're there, have you got acclimatized to it? Maybe God is telling you move on again. How far should I go? Just beyond your comfort zone. It takes courage to say we're going to give beyond our means, doesn't it? We're going to witness beyond our capacity. We're going to share beyond our ability. But you'll never find a person that's found the courage to live the way God intended them to live who's writing letters saying, I regretted it. You will find many people on their deathbeds across the world today writing letters saying they regretted the life they did choose. But you'll never find a Christian who's lived a life sold out for God's writing letters of regret in their deathbed. They don't exist. They die satisfied and full of years. It takes courage to tell others, I feel called to something significant. But the truth is, every role in the kingdom is significant. There's nothing God is doing that doesn't matter. A few more things. Number two, it takes courage to raise your family the way you know you're supposed to, but you don't feel that you can. It takes courage 
to lead a prayerful, spirit-led family. It takes courage to accept that the pastors and the elders are not going to raise your family for you. God comes to you and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. You lead this family now. And you'll have the traits of your dad or your mother. You'll have things about yourself. You'll be so aware of your failings. Listen, the same anointing that's available to raise the sick or raise the dead and heal the sick is available to bring up your kids. When was the last time you felt the presence of God on a date night? Oh, I felt it in the prophetic prayer meeting. Shish kebab. When was the last time you felt it when you and your wife were tidying up together? You see, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is available to do the ordinary everyday things. But it takes courage to say to your family, I want to make some changes. I want to make our kitchen table a place where the Bible is open again. I want to make our evenings a place where we pray as a family again. I don't want my family to be raised knowing Christians' principles, but not ever seeing them in our home. We're so busy, you know, we all eat at different times, we all sleep at different times, we're all coming and going. You can find a moment that works for everybody, I promise you. When was the last time you felt God speak to you for your kids? When was the last time you heard God speak to you through your kids? He is just as passionate about the family as he's ever been. And he wants yours to be fruitful. It takes courage to go against the voices that you respect the most. Joshua has been around the block. He's been there a few times. He's bought the t-shirt. But Moses is no longer there to be the mediator between him and God. Maybe for you, you don't need a mediator so much anymore. You don't need to be asking everybody else, what do you believe God is saying to me? Do you get that here? I get that in Glasgow. Do you, you know, they send emails now, they used to come and see you, but they just email you now. Dear Pastor Craig, I've been offered a job in Birmingham, should I take it? Let me know what God says. <laughs> Dear parishioner so-and-so, no. You pray about it, you tell me what God says. Dear Pastor Craig, please could you have a word with my husband? No. <laughs> Dear parishioner Mary, you have a word with your husband. If he doesn't listen to you, then I'll come and have a word. Dear Pastor Craig, please could you come round and ground her kids? No. You ground them. I'll pray for you. Moses isn't there. It's your job now. I know you don't feel equipped. I know you don't feel called. I know you don't feel ready. It's your job now. A few more things. For somebody in this room today, I added this in specifically. It's going to take courage to break that bad habit. I love it when you say that from a platform and everybody gets very interested in their shoes all of a sudden. <laughs> For some poor soul, their heart's beating right now and they're going, is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? If you flutter, it's you. But it takes courage to break a bad habit. To admit there's a struggle and ask for help takes courage. 
But you see, because you've kept it silent, because you've held it in your head, it's blown up into a big, massive thing. As soon as it comes into the light, you'll see its true size. I'm wrapping this up. It takes courage to reboot, get up, and get going again. It takes courage to face the cynicism of those who will say, we've heard it all before. Let's bring Billy Graham to Dunfermline. Well, we had him here in the 20s. We've done that. Let's turn the room facing that direction. That's the way the last pastor liked the chairs. Didn't it make any difference? You know, let's pray for our city. Uh, we used to have prayer meetings back in the day. Nobody had turned up. You know that cynicism that you feel you've got a dream from God? And then God, eh, the devil plants words in those that sit next to you in church. Do you know the devil attends church more than most Christians? He never takes a holiday. Even when he goes his holidays, he finds a church and he goes along to discourage it. I've got a wee man in our church in Glasgow. He's so encouraging in a negative way. He'll say things like, I really thought you were better than last week this week. We're almost there. It's going to take you courage in Dunfermline so that you don't live by what you see. It takes courage not to live in the shadow of your past mistakes. It takes courage not to live our lives the way things others expect us to live them. It takes courage not to get entangled by the same old things over and over and over again. I've got a word for somebody in the room today. You keep knocking your bad habit out, but you don't chop its head off. Do you remember the story of David and Goliath? Who's this big Philistine that thinks he's, I'm going to knock him out. It's a Glasgow people. Takes his sling, smacks Goliath right in the forehead with one of his soft, smooth stones. Floors him. And then picks up a sword. I think David went to seminary in Glasgow. It's just a theory. I don't know for sure. I can't prove it from scripture. But it sounds like the Baptist Trading Institute, this next part, that is in, used to be in Boswell Street in Glasgow. He knocks it down with a pebble, but he chops off his head with a sword. You see, if there's any signs of life in that giant, they're not coming out now. Sometimes in our lives, we get just enough victory to settle but we don't chop the head off it. Chop its head off and let the devil see you do it. Make sure that it's not just down, but it's out. And finally, 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 it takes courage to receive spiritual leadership. Verse 16 of Joshua chapter one, they answered Joshua saying, all that you've commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. May the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. May the Lord be with you as he was with him. May the Lord be with you as he was with them. It takes courage to be able to say for us, we need bravery because it's a new day. We've got a new senior pastor. We've got a new opportunity. You've got the influx of people that can't afford to live in Edinburgh right on your doorstep in Dunfermline. Go and get them. 
Aaron was just telling me that Dunfermline is officially the ancient historical capital of Scotland, not Edinburgh, and that Robert the Bruce's heart is buried here, not there. I can't wait to go back to Destiny Edinburgh and tell them they're frauds. I can't wait. I can't wait. I might even go to their evening service tonight and just drop it in to a few conversations since I'm over this way. But your leaders will be coming to you in the next few weeks and months and asking you to do any number of things and back any number of things. Here's what really God is saying behind it. Take courage. Be strong. And your response to your leaders has to be the same. You be strong. You be courage. Somebody needs to speak and say our vision needs to enlarge. Our impact needs to increase. Our presence needs to be felt. As it was with Moses, so let it be with us. It takes a church that will be humble enough to say, we humbly agree with God that he could change our region through us. There's nobody else coming, my friends. It's you. So what will you do? Will you say yes? I believe you will. I believe you have to. I believe your very life depends on it. Maybe we'll have the musicians up. And we'll close in prayer. It would be really nice if God gave us an indication of what he was talking about, wasn't it? But very often he just sets the course. Doesn't really tell us the trials that we'll face get there. Just points out the promise at the end of it. And then asks you to start making your way. I'm going to ask you today, will you start making your way through unknown territory to the destiny that God has got for you as a church in this city? Will you? Well, I'm just a church attender. Well, I'm just a new Christian. Well, I've never really found a connection yet. Today's a new day. That's what I felt God asked me to drop off here in Fife. I guess I have to be brave myself now and ask you for a response to that. If you feel you've heard God today through this clumsy Glaswegian and you're saying yes, Lord, I'll be courageous. I'll be strong. No idea what it means. But I'll say yes. Maybe you would just stand with me so I don't feel so alone and so intimidated. You don't have to stand. There's no pressure. But if you feel God has spoke to you, you stand. Now it's a custom in Glasgow that I believe is a custom here now that at the end of every message we give somebody the opportunity to get right with God. The most exciting thing in church is the possibility that a life can move from darkness to light or from death to life. I did it in 1991 and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea any of this would come through it. No eye has seen. No mind has conceived. No heart knows what the Lord has prepared. Is there anybody in this room today you're saying, look, for me, enough is enough. I will no longer be that Christian that wonders if they're really saved. I will no longer be that person that comes to church but doesn't commit. 
I will no longer be that person that's interested in Jesus but has never encountered his presence. You see, if God has truly spoken, there'll be a response from each one of us. What will your response be? You're already standing. I can't thank you enough for that. But it's not enough. You have to now put one foot in front of the other and begin to move forward in grace. The first step we all must make is knowing for sure, for sure, that I am his and he is mine. That what he's purchased so expensively through his son is now my experience. We call it being saved. You might call it becoming a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. However you word it or express it, I want to ask you today, if you died today, would you go straight to the presence of God? Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know what he's done for you? If you're not certain, there's a gap that needs closed today. And that's the reason why you're here. If it's your thousandth time or your first time, if that gap needs closing, that's the reason you're here. So I'm just asking, is there anybody in this room today saying, I'm going to start this courageous journey, but first I need to make sure I am right with God. I know what it is to be forgiven. Close your eyes. If you're making that first step today, it would be a privilege for me to pray for you specifically before I hand back to Lindsay and the team. Let's not make a long drawn out manipulated appeal. You've stood without any of that. Now I ask you to step forward without any of that. If you're saying no more doubts, no more uncertainty, no more hokey-cokey with my faith, I'm moving forward now. Just put your hand up high till I see it. And then when I've seen it, I'm going to pray for you. And God is going to touch you, I promise. There's one hand here. Is there anybody else? Put your hand up right now because I'm moving on. Another hand right at the back there. Three hands. Is there anybody else? Last chance. Get right with God today. Put your hand up in the name of Jesus. There we go. Father, I pray for these people with their hands up. Lord, I pray that today would be the most significant moment of their spiritual journey. Lord, I pray today you would close that gap between certain faith and uncertain carnal life. Lord, I pray that from today they will know the joy of salvation soundly and completely. Lord, I pray that from today they would know for sure that they are forgiven, that condemnation can no longer intimidate them or reach them. Father, I pray today you would minister by your Holy Spirit the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, unlock the gifts in them. Unlock the passions in them. Unlock the callings in them in the name of Jesus. Father, for those standing up, I pray provoke them with dreams and visions. Stir them again like you stirred them before. Give them a passion for this city that will bring them out and keep them out of their comfort zone. Lord, let this church, Vine Church, be a community and a fellowship that refuses to leave this place the way they found it. 
And God, we ask you corporately for a harvest of souls in this region and in this nation. Lord, we ask you, presence yourself here in a way that we've only ever heard about in legends and history. Lord, transform the kingdom of faith with the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.